Hey guys, how's it going? It is your Duel Master DJ on a podcast this time. So if you can, any of you guys happen to listen to KGRG1, which is streaming online at KGRG1.com, uh, you might know me uh, as the Dueling DJ from 3 to 6 on Friday afternoons. Um, and so I kind of wanted to bring more of my Yu-Gi-Oh knowledge to you guys and to the podcast community, um, because person, because there's a couple Yu-Gi tubers out there, so like to be called, uh, kind of spin on the name. Um, but I mean, I'm not really one of those and I don't really have a whole lot to say about it because I'm not like a competitive player, but I do have some insight on the game um so the first thing i kind of want to talk about is how i got into it originally um so i got into Yu-Gi-Oh when i was about let's say 10 or 12 like sixth or seventh grade and there was uh my mom had a friend who had two sons who happened to be really into it and it was about Easter time, and I was like, yo, this is a really dope game. So I got really into it then, and I collected a whole bunch of cards. Like, I amassed like, a whole bunch of them. And I knew kind of how to basically play. And this was back in the day whenever I thought having a dark deck or a light deck was, like, super cool. Because uh, we didn't really understand the format and how dope of a game it could end up being with all the different xyz summons and fusion summons and stuff like that we just knew it as oh okay here's the basic rules here's a five-star monster has to be someone with two monsters you know um and so it was really cool i played it for about two two or three months and then i just kind of dropped it and it just i just kind of lost interest in it and then about my sophomore year I, pl- I kind of planned it off and on again from that point, but I didn't really play with the cards anymore because I found that there was different websites to use, like, different decks on. So about my sophomore year, I came across, I think it was called, I don't, I'm not sure what the name was back in the day, but now it's called Dueling Nexus. And it was something really similar. It was, like, Dueling Battle or some, something like that. But Dueling Nexus is... Uh, what I currently play on right now, there's another website called uh, Dual Loop Book or Dual Book that everybody likes to play on because Dual Book is a lot more physically you have to do the actions versus Dueling Nexus, which is very just kind of like, oh, your monster has an effect. Okay, activate that effect. Um, so you really don't have to do a whole lot of work there. And it's really nice because there isn't a whole lot of comp players on there. By comp, I mean competitive players that play the exact same three decks over and over again. So it's kind of nice to play those kind of decks. And so, yeah, so I play on there. So about my sophomore year, maybe end of freshman, I had, so the school gave us Chromebooks to do school on. Well, they didn't have Dueling Nexus, um, they didn't have Dueling Nexus blocked at that point. So I had, so I would sit there in class and like, you couldn't go on cool, you could go on like cool math games, like the only gaming website you could really go on except for Dueling Nexus, but nobody really played Yu-Gi-Oh! So I would sit there in class and play uh play Yu-Gi-Oh. But at this point I kind of started figuring out how the game worked a little bit more mechanically. Um so looking more at specific decks and such. So uh I originally got back into the game, like I said, at the beginning of my sophomore year, end of my freshman year, and I played with a deck called the Sacred Beast deck. Um it's not the official name for it, but it basically ran off of the sacred, the sacred beast, uh, Haman, 
of Searing Thunder. Oh, gosh. I can't remember the other two. Um, but it basically ran off of these three Sacred God cards from the anime. And so they all kind of had their own effects, but they were like the boss monsters. And the whole goal was to summon out all three so you could sacrifice all three of them. Because uh, Pyroar of the Searing Flame wasn't really the best monster in my hand. So he's always the last one I would summon out. Um, which to summon the uh, fa- the Chaos of Phantasms. Because uh, he had 10,000 attack on your turn, but he couldn't attack on your turn. And he had uh, zero defense, but can't be destroyed by battle. So it was really easy to throw down a, a Fallen Paradise card, which basically stops all card effects from affecting your monster. So you could sit there and just tank hit after hit. And so you put him in defense mode, and then he couldn't be negated or destroyed. Otherwise, it'd have to destroy the Fallen Paradise first. And then after that, you switch into an attack mode, and then it's you one-hit anybody because you only have 8,000 life points, and at that point, you should be chipping away at their life points as you continue to summon out monsters. And so by then, they should have like 3,000, 4,000 attack left at that, and so you just one-hit them. So it's really easy and really... Like, it was really easy and really fun to play that. Uh, but that deck kind of had uh, really bricks. Like, you can, like, brick out with that, and by bricking, um, depending on whether or not you actually listen to or play Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, breaking is whenever your hand just kind of stale and you can't exactly combo off of it or play off of it. And so you just pull dead monsters and you just summon them in defense mode and then just hope to God that your opponent doesn't combo off of it. Um, and so I played with that for about a year or so. And then about last year, kind of about the, the end of my, uh, junior year, I found a deck called the, uh, the Dark Magician deck, um, but it's not the normal kind of Dark Magician deck because a lot of Dark Magician decks have like Dark Paladin. I play with a Dark Magician deck that has uh, synergy with the Dark Magician girls or just Magician girls at that rate. So Chocolate Magician Girl, Apple, Lemon, and, and Berry. Um, and each one of those has their own kind of effect. So Berry Magician Girl allows you to uh, anytime targeted for attack, switch it to whatever other mode. So say you summon it in attack mode, you can switch it over to defense mode. And then you can also summon out a monster whenever this effect takes place. Um, so it's a free, it's a free summon off of an attack, and you it gets put in defense mode. And then whenever it switches its attack to whatever monster you summoned, it the monster's attack that's attacking uh, loses half of its life points. So it's really good in that kind of respect. So if you want to get a lot of monsters out on the field, you can do that. Uh, Lemon Magician Girl lets you summon any spellcaster from your hand. Uh, Apple lets you summon any um, magician girl, no, any spellcaster under level 5 from your hand. And then Chocolate Magician Girl lets you to summon any magician girl from your graveyard, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong in this respect. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of the main mechanics of the deck is it does reply or it does rely heavily on them because that's how you get out those type of monsters. But uh, they're kind of more like filler cards, if I'm being completely honest. The main parts of the deck are the card Eternal Soul, which is a trap card, and the card Dark, um, Dark Magician Circle, uh, which I run three copies of that, and I run two copies of Eternal Soul. Uh, because, so, Dark Magician, Dark Magical Circle allows you to 
draw up to a uh, draw up to yeah draw your top three cards of your deck and reveal any of them if they have you can reveal one card if it has dark magician specifically listed in the text and then return the other two cards to or to return any of the remaining cards to the top of the deck in whatever order you feel like and you don't have to shuffle that which is a really nice effect so say you look at the top of your cards of your hand and you're like oh these are either really good and you're like okay i want dark magic and inheritance coming up next or i want eternal soul coming up next you're like all right cool let me put it in this order or and one of the cases i found if you have your if you draw if you look at the top two cards and you're like oh these all suck you can activate your effect uh search effect from say one of your monsters that allows you to search through your deck and summon a level five uh, any level five spellcaster you can then shuffle it your hand again and then your hand is randomized and you're not going to get those really crappy cards off the top that are just going to break your hand so it's really effective in that strategy. Um, and then with Eternal Soul, you can just keep summoning off your Dark Magicians because you can summon one per turn. So at the end of your opponent's phase or at the start of the, your opponent's phase, you can activate it and then you can either negate or you can banish, uh, basically, your opponent's monsters. So say your opponent summons like a level 10 uh, like dragon monster, you know, you just pop off your Eternal Soul and then you uh, use the effect of... Dark Magical Circle, which is whenever you summon a Dark Magician card, you get to banish one card on the field. And so, but that effect can only be activated once per turn. So you have to be really kind of careful with it. So say your opponent wants to use like a field spell, you could do that. You could waste it on that one. Or you can put it on another card. But another card that I found uh, was actually really cool and I just picked up for about eight bucks was uh, a bond between teacher and student what allows you to play... Dark Magician Girl on the field along if you control a Dark Magician. So you could summon an additional card and you can set a Dark Magic attack. So basically you can kind of play off of that. Um, so say your opponent has a really strong back row, you can you can play that card as long as it doesn't get negated and then activate your uh, Dark Burning attack or Dark Magic attack and destroy that your opponent's entire back row. Or say they have a field spell that's really causing you problems you can be just like nah fam i don't think so and completely destroy just that field spell and then you still have that summon off if you have a dark magician you can summon off of it and then still negate one card um because it's really hard if you don't if you have a card that negates it um it becomes really bad that's why cards like ash blossom and joyous spring are really kind of like hand traps nowadays are really dangerous to play with because uh, if you have an opponent that negates one of them, it, your whole combo can be destroyed in really a single move. And it gets really annoying and really difficult to play off of. Uh, but yeah, so basically I play with the Dark Magician deck. So that's kind of how I got back into it. Um, was about my in, Yeah, I just started playing online again. And about the last four months, I've been building this deck in real life. Um, so that Sacred Beast deck I was talking about, I played exclusively with online. I didn't own any of the cards, but with this deck, I actually own this one in real life. So this one has costed me about $220, uh, after buying a playmat and protector sleeves. Uh, but with that, like every single card, I mean, I've went out and I've bought, and I think my most expensive cards are the Apprentice Magician Illusion, 
or no, Magician Apprentice Illusion, um, issues 15 bucks for a single card and I have to run two copies of her, so that's 30 bucks just on two cards. Uh, and the rest are kind of randomly priced from anywhere from zero to ten dollars. Uh, like I said, that Bomb Between Teacher and Student was eight dollars, but some of the Dark Magicians in there were about a dollar a piece. But I think Eternal Soul, or no, um, the Magician of Dark Illusion was about 12 bucks because I think it was a special edition. I like two of them in there. Um, so, I mean, card prices kind of vary depending on how meta the card is or how, like, super dope it is. And then I also have a, um, a Dark Magic Attack from a dual terminal, so it's a little bit more rare, so that was also 15 bucks. Um, and then a Dark Magician Girl, that was another 15 bucks. So, as you can see, the price just kind of keeps going up and up, you know? So, I mean, it's been a, a journey, let me tell you. But, I mean, I like to think it's a really fun game. I've been keeping up with the, with the meta for about a year or so. And I'm just, I really enjoy playing it. And if you guys, I mean, nobody's probably going to end up listening to this because it's my first podcast anyways. And you guys are just listening to a class. And you guys are only going to listen to five minutes anyways. And you're not going to be here. So, you know, it's all right. But I think that it's a really cool game. Y'all want to get into it. It's really dope. And I definitely recommend it. And that'll do it for me. See y'all later.